Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Seaweed Brain. It's been a minute. Today, we are going to be diving back in to the sun and the star. We're going to be talking about nightmares. We're going to be experiencing a um, potentially non-binary demon. Um, Stick around. Welcome, yes, back, everyone to Seaweed Brain. The reason Carter said it's been a minute is because we are so behind on recording right now. (laughs) We're recording this on Friday. Y'all are going to hear it on Wednesday. Real life, up-to-date, current events are what's going down here. Yeah. Smoke. Fire just happened. Unable to breathe. Fire. uh, Climate change. Indictment. Again. Etc. Again. <laughs> lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. We are joined today for the special set of chapters by lovely returning guest Megs of the Monstrous Woman podcast. Hi, everybody. Megs, what's new in your life? Did you pierce your septum? <laughs> I did. Uh, it is Pride Month, so I got a new face piercing, and naturally. Um, what else is new in my life? I have a dog, and she started running away recently. That's new. What? She's going through like a teen Artemis. phase. Yeah, Artemis is an asshole, but I love her and she's my firstborn son, but she's also the worst. But that's about all that's new for me. She has the zoomies. Yes, and an insatiable need to destroy. It's a lot, but it was my fault. I shouldn't have (gasps) named her after, like, the goddess of the wild. That was a bad move. It affected her. (laughs) When you said the insatiable need to destroy, I just pictured (laughs) Stitch, like, building the entirety of San Francisco. She is Stitch. So that he could I say that once a day. I say that she's exactly that. And it's like, I'm just waiting for the third act of the movie where she turns good. And I don't know <laughs> when we're going to get there. You got to do the crayon diagram for her so that she understands yeah. what the situation is. This is your bad We need it on the fridge just so like every day I can make her look at it. Don't hurt the little angel. Yeah, she's something. Oh, well, speaking of demons and <laughs> the little angel and... <laughs> The insatiable need to destroy. That's an excellent transition. In particular, fun new character. The first in particular fun new character of many to come in this book. I don't think that's a spoiler to say. This is sort of like our first encounter with someone new as we're going to kind of go along collecting these new characters throughout the novel. So very exciting. Um, A little bit of recap on where we left off mostly for our brains since it's been like four weeks since we recorded a sun in the star episode we just hit like the lengthy canoe interlude post chapter eight interlude where gorgyra asked nico and will again for like the story of when they first met and they went through encountering their um musubi and their invisible (laughs) ties that bind them together and the way that they orbit one another like celestial bodies but that of course was a flashback and the last how would you say main timeline thing that we experienced was them trying to descend down into the underworld using orpheus's entrance and it didn't work and we don't know why and we somehow mysteriously ended back up where we started in central park and that's where we are right now hell yeah what is going on so as we open into chapter nine we are back in central park basically we're gonna do our best to just head back down. We don't really know what's going on, um, but we have to test and see what happens if we just try to get back down. So Will, once again, does a little music thing to open up the doors of Orpheus. We go back inside. Will plugs his nose and once again says, I don't think I'll ever get used to that smell. 
It's giving offensive. It's giving that one time one of my classmates walked into our apartment sophomore year of college and said, ah, yes, I can always tell when I'm in your guys' apartment because of the way it smells. Of course referring, of course referring to the fish sauce. (gasps) Stop. This is still such a funny story to me because like you... I, I know in my heart that your apartment cannot have even smelled that strongly. <laughs> like, y'all don't make kimchi. Like, you're not doing any in-house fermentation. It's That's so funny to me. Stir-fry sauce. It's literally <laughs> just from stir-fry oyster sauce. It's such a fun, though, inversion and, like, quirky take on the smelly lunch story of, like, Asian-American trauma that well, Carter yeah. and I don't have. It's so unoriginal. It's so unoriginal. <laughs> That's what, like, gets me is that just sounds like it's scripted. <laughs> yes, no, my Caucasian classmate walked into my own home and said, ah, yes, it smells in here. <laughs> like, anyway, okay. that was Will. All racism, <laughs> bad. Unoriginal racism has another level of annoying where it's like, come on, dude, like, do better. That one you should know. Yeah. 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 It should it should pass muster. Like, if you pitched your racism at um, a table for a new show that is predominantly about non-white people, they should be like, okay, we'll consider that. As opposed to, no. Yeah. That does not be like Jacob and Abbott Elementary. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we get back down to the underworld. Um, everyone's feeling sleepy. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? At this point, I'm like, it's gotta be Hypnos, right? Like, like Zaddy Hypnos was teased to us by Reed Riordan to reappear in this book. So I'm thinking it's gonna be Hypnos. Will falls asleep. And Nico's like, no, not here. And was like, I can't, I can't be here. And Nico's like, oh, get up. And Will's like, this place, it's not meant for someone like me. Um, and Nico's like, do you need your sun lamp? Um, and then. Wow, this uh, dramatic reading is so full of life and texture. It is reminding me of the iconic um, No Sarah Help video. Do you know the one I'm referring to? <laughs> this is a video in which um, a. We presumably have to gay find man. To link it in the show notes. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, pre- I, presumably a gay man falls out of a kayak <laughs> or it capsizes or something, and they're in maybe three and a half foot deep water, and he <laughs> is um, struggling, pleading, um, completely helpless, um, as he uh, stands there, safe, um, unarmed, um, next to a uh, flipped over kayak. When we was this video, video popular? At 7 a.m. every day. Oh, like 2016? That okay. sounds right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Will's asleep. Nico is uh, back in Central Park. We hear the voice of Bob. Help me, Nico, help. Why won't you help me, Nico? Not for Bob, too, please. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's June. Um, and, then we, and then we flip to chapter 10. And what is unique, everybody? Open your eyeballs. Um, and look at chapter 10, if you will. What's unique about this page, this header? I don't have a physical book. I cannot. Yeah, no, this is literally <laughs> only true in the physical books. Um, I have the ebook now as well because I am uh, a girl on the go. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. physical books only. The chapter 10 logo, all of the chapter numbers, for those of you who do not have the physical books, have a little, how would you describe it? Solar flare, maybe um, like many petaled flower type of aesthetic. Like perhaps it's a sun, but perhaps the sun is also a star. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like the outline of a sun. And most of them are filled in completely black. And the number is in not white font exactly, it's a (laughs) negative, right? This is the first chapter for which the, um, the sun 
has a blackened kind of gray scale gradient edges, but is colorless in the middle. And the number 10 is in black. That is the font color. And the first word of the chapter is will. Wow. We're in Will's perspective. (laughs) We're in Will's perspective. Wouldn't you know it? If you um, have a physical book and you have taken the dust jacket off so that you can um, bring your book around town without um, constantly fearing for the life of your dust jacket, um, you might notice that the same motif is actually on the physical book's cover. There is like a golden filled in sun shape and then beneath it there is like the golden outline of a completely negative like blackened sun shape as well remarkably similar to the sun from tangled yes that is exactly (laughs) what it looks like that that's actually very similar the best possible way to describe it (laughs) we once spoke on meg's podcast about that movie for three hours (laughs) you can listen to it now um yep so we're in both perspective Something fun to know. Like Alessia was saying the last time we were all here, there are so many fun little graphic design elements of this book, of the physical copy of the book. This is one of them. The fact that we just have this little like imagery marker as to whose perspective we're in in each chapter. Chapter 10, first time we're at Will's POV, we open up with him on the banks of the sticks. But wait, Nico just woke up back in Central Park. So we already know something is weird going on here. We can take the rest of this with a grain of salt. Like, is he hallucinating? Maybe he's dreaming. Maybe he his consciousness got transported somewhere else or he's being sent visions. We don't know. This whole section, there's a lot of like mechanical things that happen, but mainly we are witnessing Will's insecurities, right? And yes. deepest fears. And do you all get nightmares a lot? I would not say a lot. Or dreams, such like weird dreams. I hardly ever remember my dreams. I feel like that's the most boring mm. possible answer to the question you just asked. No. But I sleep like a dead person. <laughs> and so that's I just authentic. regain consciousness in the morning. I love that for you. I do. Do you get the like anxiety dreams where like everything you are the most worried about like manifests itself in this way? I have never had one this specific to individual people and situations in my life. Normally, I will just have generalized, not like body horror or something, but it'll be like people I know, but like not the people I'm actively thinking about in my life at that moment. Like, I don't know. You just pull an extra or something and then I'll wake up and like all of my like my calf is like tight because I've been like tensing it the whole time or something. Oh, type wow. of situation. Interesting. Yeah. Um. yeah, this is just like a very legit anxiety dream that I would wake up from and be like, oh, yep, that is every top 10 thing I'm worried about yeah. happening right now. Um, even if I got myself into this mess. Do we think that Will would have this dream in his cabin, though? Well, we're about to find out who is sending this specific anxiety dream. Will, to me, seems very much like a person not having a lot of interpersonal anxiety. Mm. So this feels like it would be like new to him to have these sorts of like... Interesting. Come to life fears type deal. Interesting. I actually feel like he... My interpretation of Will is that he has a lot of pressure. He feels a lot of pressure from his mm-hmm. dad. As we see, I believe it's in this chapter, right? Oh, no, it's not yet this chapter. I think it's in 12. Yeah, it's in 12 where he has like dream his dad says some unapproving things to him. 
I feel like he has, yeah, he feels a lot of pressure to be a certain way, which maybe manifests itself in like a bit of perfectionism and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Again, we're just now getting to know who Will is. So just <laughs> developing our personal opinions. <laughs> Let, let's get into the specific substance of his anxieties, though. Like what we're seeing here in the dream, which I, I guess we're, we're abandoning the, the pretense. It, it's, it's a nightmare that he's experiencing that was set by um, a demon. But um, he and Nico are wandering through the underworld. And things like the way that things specifically start to go awry is that Nico is leaving him behind. And it is italicized. Nico jumps in to the sticks. Now, we get a sense pretty quickly that, that the dream logics are not really... They're, like, a little strange. Nico's doing fine. Like, clearly, this is... Uh, there's a lot of things going on here. But I I, I don't know. I, I, I was really struck by that image. I thought it was so... Um, fun and delightful as a way of quickly encapsulating everything that Will is afraid of because it's not just he I think finds Nico to be impressive in ways that he can't totally compete with in his head but also there seems to be this undercurrent of judgment that goes along with that even in um, these anxieties it's not just him saying I can't compete or I can't understand or I can't be there to support there's also the level on which he's like but I'm not like a hundred percent sure that I want to support um, all the things that Nico gets up to. And I feel like someday he's going to do something that is bad and unhealthy and that I don't approve of. And um, I'm going to be expected to follow him. I feel like is the subtext to a nightmare of Nico jumping into the sticks. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I also highlighted the line on one-on-one where Nico says, jump in, you'll be fine, I promise. Because even though this is Will's like nightmare anxiety version of Nico saying this, it also is what real life Nico needs from Will, the ability to just jump in. And it is what Will agreed to do by coming to Tartarus. Like he already made this choice. He did jump in. Yeah. Like he insisted. Yes, he insisted. So like he knew that Nico needed that. And he knew that he wanted to do that, but he's still worried about it. And he's still having an anxiety attack about it sent by who we're about to meet. But I thought that was very relatable. Yeah, I did the thing. I made the right choice, but I'm still going to worry about it and overanalyze it and think back to it and be like, oh, why is this happening? And like, am I ready for this? And like, should I have chosen this? Do we all know the uh, song off of Paramore's fifth Fifth full-length studio album, After Laughter, track um, number seven, uh, entitled Pool. Dive right back in to you, and now I know you, now I know you, now that I know you. you. <laughs> this song, for years I could not listen to this song, because it made me want to make bad choices. That's literally what's happening. It, the, the song is is this... Um, this nightmare, but also uh, this uh, chance for Will to uh, seize a potential opportunity to grow closer to a person and to um, learn new things and follow through on his uh, commitments. So, yeah. Anyway, as an yeah. unimportant aside, <laughs> I do think that the fact that Will brings up the fact that he's had a tattoo says a lot about him. The fact that oh. he's experiencing pain is just like, oh my god. This is like that one time that I got a tattoo because I know it's what the pain medic. of getting a tattoo is. 
It's just like giving that's him a the strong choice. He's never been stabbed in battle. <laughs> <laughs> like any other Jimmy would be like, it was like that time I got stabbed in battle. There are just definitely people who are like, I earned my tattoo. And it just, it's interesting that Will is like, that's like a thing that he would bring up and compare. Yeah, and Nico would be like, it felt like a minuscule version of the pain that I felt the time both <laughs> the my grief. mother, my sister, and everyone <laughs> I knew died before I lost years of my life in the Lotus Hotel, etc. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. You're just slowing me down, like blah, 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 all of this other stuff. Yes. We You're get some choice lines from Nico. Don't hold me back. Abandonment. Are you giving up on our quest already? I knew you would. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> we got it. And then chapter 11, we are back in the dark star. So we're back to Nico's POV at the bottom of the stone stairwell. So we are back in like upper level underworld. Um, Nico is questioning what is going on. He sees that Will is asleep. Splayed out on the ground, quote, 20 feet away, completely still, aside from the gentle rise and fall of his back as he breathes. So if we weren't sure, we now know Will is having some kind of dream sequence right now, um, which is confusing because we didn't get the grayed out dream pages. I was like, yeah. what? That's <laughs> a Nico trauma special. Yeah, that's a Nico trauma special. Um, <laughs> but who is here? Oh, my God. There's a shadowy thing looming above him with appendages, almost like tentacles, swaying over Will's body as if casting some kind of spell. Sleep, demigod, it said in a slimy, slippery voice. That wow. is representation right there. Off a great start. <laughs> slimy and slippery. Floating? Looming? <laughs> looming is like the most gay way to stand. <laughs> Literally happy pride. Oh my god. The creature, should we read some of this? The creature shifted toward him, pulling in all its appendages. As it did so, the darkness encasing it drifted away like birthday candle smoke, leaving something behind. A vaguely humanoid shape with arms, legs, a chest, a head, which was in the place Nico had guessed, and a face. Beneath a black spiked helmet of Stygian iron was a visage as shiny and slick as tree sap. Other details fell into place half a dozen milky white eyes, a chiseled V-shaped jaw, and a triangular bone-like protrusion that might have been a beak or a nose. Their emaciated body was wrapped in inky form-fitting cloth, and their appendages folded elegantly behind them, so it looked like they were wearing a cape. Nico didn't want to tell the creature that they were super cool, but they were super cool. Super cool yeah. here is one word fascinating <laughs> the youths use super cool as one word i was gonna say that's giving 90s to me um. what <laughs> okay i wrote in my book it's not not wizard of oz which i would like to discuss after we kind of get to know this character a little bit more okay we find out right that this floaty slayful super cool demon their name is epiales and they use they them pronouns they do not believe in the gender binary we do have the two genders conversation at the end of chapter 11 i don't know that we need to get into all that further but um <laughs> i, I, I want to know i want to know what you guys thought about our our little character here I simultaneously have two opinions. The first is that I honestly can't believe they did it. 
from a PR perspective. <laughs> it, I was taken aback that they would make kind of a big deal in marketing ahead of time that they were going to have a non-binary character and very much were like, this is the first non-binary character in the Riordanverse. And the first character we meet to use they, them pronouns is a slimy evil demon <clears throat> from the underworld. Many arms, many eyes. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. And, and like a nightmare, a villain. I just feel like gay people have been mentioning the fact that we're, that like gender queerness is always a villain trait. Like being effeminate is always an indication that a man is up to no good, whatever, in the opposite. And it just like, not even that I have like that much of a personal problem with this character, but I could not believe from just a PR perspective <laughs> that this got signed off on. That feels wild to me. Now, my actual opinion on the character, I don't care that much. I think it's a little strange, but I didn't feel like deeply offended or anything. But I just, I was like, wow, how did Disney's imprint sign off on this? <laughs> I mean, like, from the way the demon is described, like, well, yes, they, they are non-binary. They are non-binary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, 100%. <laughs> yeah, the, the framing of it is definitely interesting. Yeah. I think you're right, Megs, that the real, like, gag of this is the way that they were promoting <laughs> so hardcore that there would be a non-binary character. I, I didn't think we were going to get non-binary Nico, uh, but I, you know, it was a possibility. It was on the table. <laughs> I thought they would be human. I, I did think that. I thought it would be a demigod. I did. <laughs> I also assumed it would be a demigod. <laughs> I really did not once assume it would be a demigod. You always knew it would be a demon. I knew yeah. it would be a demon, a slimy, scaly, shadow looming demon. And slay. Like that's it's 100 like great. And slay. And, slay. and like the fact that Mark co-wrote this book is just I feel like it's an inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you all sure. seen the SNL clip around Christmas of Bowen Yang as Krampus? The mythical Eastern <laughs> European uh, demon who eats children. It's very that. <laughs> it's very that. It's the same energy. At one point in the sketch, he turns to, is it Colin or Michael? I can't remember which Weekend Update anchor he's talking to. But one of them is like, wait, Krampus, are you gay? And Bowen immediately <laughs> does not skip a beat and goes, yeah, I'm gay. I'm a demon. And then proceeds with the rest of the rap. And that's the exact same... That's the exact same tone. Energy. Exactly. Yeah. I will say, I think that that works better if you've already had a non-binary character in previous books. Who is not a demon. Is, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think if in the end of Heroes of Olympus, we had a no even a minor non-binary character who was a demigod and was not slimy or scaly or had multiple tentacles, then this joke <laughs> wouldn't have been so, like, odd, I guess. Not even bad, just odd. Let me, what if this, the way that this <laughs> is funny and, like, lighthearted is because <laughs> there's, like, different levels of villains that we get in these books. There's a difference yeah. between Echidna and Kronos. And there's like yeah. a different level of villainhood between like Epiales and Orion. And the entities mm -hmm. that we encounter in these books are like truly evil and like forces we fight against in like a large scale way are very heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> because we're also questioning here, like, what does it mean to be a villain? What does it mean to be a demon? So it's like mm -hmm. not assigning true evil For to sure. 
this identity, but rather like a slayful evil. <laughs> yeah, Gabriel would love to be up to something. It's not <gasps> inaccurate in any way. It's true. It's not, it's true. Like, I would rather be called a slimy little demon than a woman, for sure. For sure, for sure. No issue. <laughs> but it's just from like a Disney PR perspective, I'm like, wow, this was the lead up? Surprising. Yes, absolutely. I feel settled on that. Thank you for the bow and yang. Thank you for thank you for all of this. Because we're ne- going to need to discuss the other end of this conversation, which is Melissa McCarthy as Ursula in Little Mermaid. Um, oh, and the straight makeup artist. Hey, why can't that man do a good job if he's straight? What? Why can't he? You know? That was sarcasm from Megs. <laughs> The makeup is ugly. Um, I did not know who did the makeup, but I was just looking at it and I was like, damn, where did Disney's money go? What? I think our June Patreon episode is going to be like Little Mermaid extravaganza, right? So yeah, okay, tune into that. Um, <laughs> old, the new, the sequels, the stage, etc. Okay. All right. On to chapter 12. The pages are gray again. We are in another nightmare, but it's Nico's nightmare. We're back at Camp Half-Blood. And what specific memory... Did Mark Oshiro and Rick Reardon decide it was okay to bring up not but 112 pages into this book? It's uh, the moment that uh, Nico finds out that Bianca has died. That's the moment that we're re-experiencing. Super chill. This gave me actual goosebumps as I was rereading it today. Specifically the line where um, Nico pushes his way inside the big house. Quote, his gaze jumped anxiously from Chiron to Annabeth from Selena Beauregard to Charles Beckendorf, from the Stoll brothers to dot, 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 Percy Jackson. I was like, wow, the weight of this. This was one of those moments in reading where we are really in his psyche in the way that as a fandom, we've always been in his psyche, but now we get to be in his psyche like this on the page. And he goes like, no, I'm not reliving this nightmare again. And the voice of Epioli is like echoes through Chiron's mouth. Nico is like, you've been behind all the horrible dreams I've been having for months. Why do you keep telling me to listen? What does it have to do with Bob? And there's like a record scratch here. Like, <laughs> Epioli's is like, wait, months? No, 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 no. Like, I've been sending you dreams not for months. Like, I wish, but no. Mother only required <laughs> that I intercept you and Will Solis once you pass through the door of Orpheus. Also, who is Bob? The way that the that the queer demon uses the word mother is... Um, I was literally, literally, <laughs> I wanted to say that. It's capitalized. Mother is capitalized. And then all, like, <laughs> over, Nico was like, who is mother? <laughs> mother is mothering. <gasps> okay, yeah, so Nico says, who is mother? And he's like, oh, some questions you don't want answered, Nico D'Angelo. <laughs> and then the floor splits. Nico falls into the void. There's a little graphic squiggly as we switch to Will's perspective. We're back in Will's nightmare, his Epiali's nightmare. This is where we get dream Lester Papadopoulos shaming him. On page 115, this is the biggest ope of this book so far for me. Big ope, like le oop ope. (laughs) Rachel Elizabeth Dare was staring at him expectantly. I thought you were a healer. And I thought you were one of my children, said Lester, crossing his arms. My children are supposed to be the best doctors. What use are you, Meg asked, her voice sharper than before, if you can't even fix your own boyfriend? That line, like, that could have been ripped from, not the Heathers. What is the right teen property I'm thinking of? Riverdale? Uh, It could be Riverdale. 
Yeah. Technically anything could be. Literally anything could be from Riverdale at this point. There's no genre specifics there anymore, you're right. What use are you? If you can't even fix your own boyfriend, I like looking hot by the <laughs> I like freaking hot. I think yeah. Heather's were like Heather's a musical. Not Heather's the movie. Yes. But Heather's That's the musical. Very, very fair. Never I say Heather's I'm referring to the musical. <laughs> Let's be clear. Now, I, I will say I was confused somewhat by this nightmare. Because Apollo is such a fuck up. And his kids know that. So the idea that they would be concerned that his standards were too high seems very odd to me. But I, it makes sense in the context that like a demon is forcing this nightmare. And so that made me wonder how much of this is really things that Will would be afraid of otherwise versus influenced purely because it's like a demon fueled nightmare. Like I just, Mm -hmm. Like, the fixing your boyfriend line is so interesting because Will is trying to fix his boyfriend, but not physically. And so that line's interesting, and I can totally see that being, like, pulled from Will's psyche. But, like, even his earlier nightmare where Nico is being very, like, mean, I totally think that Will is a little insecure about this Tartar's trip and he's scared he's gonna fail and stuff but I don't think Will has a fear of Nico being mean to him normally so that part feels very like nightmare demon influence versus just his like typical psyche I guess Mm. like maybe the demon is isn't just heightening what's already there but is like adding some new stuff yeah that's what I was thinking because the I mean they seem to have a lot of control over the nightmares like they're targeting Nico's worst memories and making him relive Mm -hmm. them And so it seems like they could be injecting, like if they want Nico and Will to not Mm. be getting along, like it makes sense to inject some of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that there's a bit of both. And I like that as readers, Mm -hmm. we now have to be like, oh, is this something Will is actually worried about? Like now there's even more tension and conflict between the two of them than we previously thought. And it forces you to form opinions about Will. Yeah. Which is nice. (laughs) When Will says, I can do this, sobbing, I can save you. (laughs) I started to realize that perhaps I've been projecting negativity onto Will Solis in the way that I would looking in a mirror. And not one, but I want to say two people texted me as they were reading this book. People who have not been on this podcast, tangential friends who are interested in Percy Jackson were like, wow, like this and this thing that Will said is like something you've said before. And like, you're so Will. And I was like, what? Read. Excuse me? Wow. Putting that away for another day. (laughs) Fascinating. Maybe that was their way of trying to reconnect you to your um, Erica um, (laughs) D'Angelo (laughs) roots. Yeah, I guess I am Will if I'm in. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I can do this. I can save you. I still think that Will does have deep-seated imposter syndrome about being a child of Apollo, even if Lester Papadopoulos is ridiculous, because long before Will even met Apollo, I'm sure he felt the weight and the burden Mm. of like being a child of Apollo and what that means. Before he knew he was a dumbass. Yeah. I also think that I have a lot of unrealistic expectations I've put on myself that I like surface level blame on my parents when in reality, like they never put those on me. I came Mm. up with that somehow on my own. Yeah. (laughs) And he does compare to his siblings a lot. What did you say, Carter? <laughs> I said I think it was our school. 
Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't even talked about our school yet in therapy. <laughs> Will tumbles into darkness out of his nightmare. We have another graphic squiggle. We wake up into Nico falling, sensing something waiting for him below in the darkness. The dream world fractures. He opens his eyes and he has his fingers clamped around Epiolis' throat. So we're back in reality now. The pages are back to their natural cream color. Nico is wrecking Epiolis in this moment. And Epiolis is like, Nico, your mistake was thinking you could keep me down in my own home. At this point, we think Nico has the upper hand, right? He's gonna like summon his skeletons, do his classic thing. Little um, little paradigm shift here. Maybe Nico isn't as strong in the underworld as we thought he was going to be. Maybe this journey is going to be more challenging than we anticipated. Because just as he raises the skeletons, Epiolis is able to give those skeletons nightmares too. Because even the dead can dream. And what specific monster does Epiolis bring into Nico's hallucination here to frighten him? And make him feel like a little kid, helpless again? The very first... I have not finished doing it yet, but we are currently, should I say this, in the process of marking up an old copy of the Titan's Curse for, I believe, lottery distribution to a listener. Oh my god. And yeah. Unceremoniously, our podcast turned three last week. and Just like Erica. <laughs> Just like me, I turned three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're annotating an original copy of the Titan's Curse, and we're going to give it away. And we haven't talk specifics yet but that's the that's our little secret announcement happy birthday seaweed brain she's a gemini <laughs> i should calculate like the moon and rising based on the exact time that our first episode was published okay epi always is like getting nico and then another little squiggly we're back in will's perspective this whole section has been so back and forth so it's like a lot of whiplash but it's kind of fun it's like cinematic like we're switching you know perspectives back and forth will here is going to now I guess, after that nightmare of anxiety about inability and ineffectiveness and uselessness, Will is about to unlock a brand new power that is going to save them both in this instance. And that power is erupting light from his chest and slicing through the dark appendages that whipped at Nico. That makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You you know this phenomenon well. You've seen um, Captain Marvel... Once upon a time. X-Men. X-Men. Here's where we get hashtag monster rights. So Epiolis is kind of like low-key been defeated at this point. 119 quote, suddenly they seemed more like a scolded child than a demon. Mother is going to be so disappointed in me. She already thinks I'm not as powerful as I could be. Now you're probably going to defeat me, aren't you? I kind of have to. We have a quest to complete, you know? You demigods always ruin things. And no one appreciates what I offer to the world. For what it's worth, your nightmares, they're really good. Totally. I believe they were real until about two minutes ago. Really? You, you think so? Definitely high-grade material. Well, shucks. No one has ever told me that. And you're sure you weren't the one sending me nightmares before we entered the underworld? Very sure. I would claim it in a heartbeat if it had been me. Will frowned at his boyfriend, wondering what conversation he'd missed. But a different question rose to the surface of his thoughts. Who is your mother? You'll find out soon enough. Just go ahead and blast me with your light. Get it over with. Will hesitated. It somehow seemed wrong to blast someone on request. But Epiales was a demon. They'd regenerate down in Tartarus anyway, starting the cycle all over again. They were a monster. Will was a demigod. That's how it worked, right? 
Epiales must have sensed his reluctance. They raised their appendages and roared at Will, and just like that, it happened again. Will's fear guided him. Light burst from his chest, smacking Epiales in the face with a piercing scream. The demon dissolved. Nico stared at him in disbelief. Will. Okay. And then we named the power. It's called the Care Bear. Love that. (laughs) I was so shook by this page because we just got out of a very like whiplashy nightmare sequence back and forth, gay demon, blah, 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 blah. And then we get Will for a moment, we think, contemplating the way the world works. Yeah. He invokes the Avril Lavigne syntax. Did you see this? They were a monster. Semicolon. Will was a demigod. He was a boy. (laughs) She was a girl. That's how it worked, right? We should question Mark on if that was a specific uh, subtle reference. (laughs) No, for real. I literally thought for a second here Will was going to be like, no, we're going to bring Epiales on our journey. Wizard of Oz style. We're collecting friends of Dorothy to join us (laughs) on this path. But no, because what happens? Quote, Will's fear guided him. This, friends, Romans, countrymen, listeners, is a central premise of this book. What happens when we let our fear guide us in moments of distress and moments of uncomfortability instead of pausing to actually think and use semicolons in a helpful way? When we let our fear guide us, we do violent things that maybe are unnecessary. If we used our critical thinking skills, maybe maybe we wouldn't be blasting people back into Tartarus. Yes. Maybe you'd have a non-binary demon friend for your journey. I think there is something so profound about him basically using... Like, literally, I'm still thinking about the Avril Lavigne syntax and the way that he accepts that as a form of, like, rhetoric. You know, he's like, that. that is logical argumentation. That, like, if you can juxtapose two, um, like, short defining sentences of two entities together, then you have an argument about a relationship. Mm. But then also being like, wait, that's wrong. It's interesting because, obviously, the kids... If they're outside of Camp Half-Blood, the demigods are having such a hard time that when they get to Camp Half-Blood, it's just like relief. And that's a good way to like not question the institution. And mm. so we do see as they become older teenagers, how they sort of go through this journey of being like, oh, it's not a perfect system. And like the gods are fucked up. And then maybe they realize that like Chiron's a little bit fucked up and that maybe like child labor's not good and like you should be able to <laughs> like your brain should be fully developed before you join any sort of army things like that yeah i don't think this is a big spoiler to say something that was mentioned on the book tour is mark and rick were discussing the way this book is set up and sort of what they're trying to do with it as far as messaging and whatnot everyone we encounter in this book is not what they seem every person we meet every creature demon etc they're not what they seem like here comes this tentacle, shadow, looming monster who actually just wants to please mother. Um, And this is the first person we're encountering who maybe if Will hadn't acted out of fear, having just woken up from a very anxiety-inducing nightmare sequence, we could have treated them differently. And we are left with the question we are always left with. Who is mother? Who is mother? (laughs) I was about to say, notice that when Will said it, it wasn't capitalized, but that's a grammar thing because he said, who is your mother? And therefore it's like an improper noun instead of a proper noun. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) 
Will is not recognizing the like the fundamental true nature of mother and therefore did not capitalize. But he was wrong for that, as we will come to find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> He's recognizing the wrong kind of mother. <laughs> the way that when Nico asks, though, he literally says, who is mother? Because <laughs> Nico knows. Yeah. They had that moment earlier where, where the, the yes. you know, non-binary demon was like, Nico, you see you me, see don't me. you? <laughs> that actually took me out. I didn't, we skipped over it and I didn't want to pause and go back to it. But literally, Epiales, them being like, so you, you may not know me, Nico, but you see me. Don't do Nico so dirty like that. Because are they not both just non-binary demons at home here in the underworld? Lurking? Looming? Loitering? Loitering? Oh my god, the three L's of taking up space. Lurking, looming, and loitering. That's what we did in high school at Nordstrom. Absolutely. In the shoe section. That was our um, nightmare dreamscape underworld to dominate. I think that for the sales associates in the shoe section of Nordstrom, it was their nightmare. You're like, <laughs> these gay demons are just always in our shoe section. Why are they always here? Why don't they try anything on? Why are they eating ice cream on the floor? Why do they seem to have so much power over this place? Why do they keep saying mother? <laughs> Who is mother? <laughs> Who are they referring to? Why does it sound like a proper noun? Shout out to the Nordstrom Shoe Sales Associates for not acting out of fear and care bearing us out of existence, though, as high schoolers. <laughs> well, that was a long extended metaphor. And <laughs> that brings us to the end of our set of chapters today. Thank you, Megs, for being yeah. here to talk demon envies with us of course is there anything you would like to say about nico will the relationship this book i'm sure we'll have you back very soon especially since you were here for our little Solangelo prep chat yeah goodness i would say that i really enjoyed the premise of the book and i really enjoyed that because Tartarus in the underworld is such a different place to Nico than it is to Percy and Annabeth that Nico had a very different experience and I wouldn't describe Percy and Annabeth's trip through Tartarus as healing in any way I would say that only brought about <laughs> autoimmune diseases and trauma but I would mm. describe Nico's journey through Tartarus as healing and I think that that is very interesting and cool for the character who obviously has a different relationship with the terrain. Yeah, that's a great observation. Well, again, Mags, I'm sure we'll have you back here soon to talk more delightful friends of Dorothy that are going to appear throughout this book. Everybody, we're going to find a link to that Sarah, help me, please help me, Sarah, video. And you're all going to watch it and you're going to have a good time. And um sign up for our patreon and we will see you next time thank you for being here bye all bye i'm texting you the links right now